Hello, I'm William Eastman. You know me as the executive producer of Richmond Biz Live. In my other role as managing partner of the GrowthWorks, I spend time helping business owners get their companies on track and paying them back for years of investment and sacrifice. However, before I can make the necessary changes, you must answer the following question. Where are you? In our research, we have identified three types of small business, 80% that are just getting by, 15% who are doing okay but wondering what's next, and then there's the 5% who dominate a market or a niche, and what they're wondering is, how do I break out? So I pose the question to you, where are you? If you want to understand this question and the significance of the answer better, go to our membership site, growthworks.net, and download our paper on where are you. Learn how to move from the 80% to the 15 and from the 15 to the 5%. This level of success and profitability is within your reach. Gain the advantage over your competitors by downloading it today. Good morning, Richmond. Beautiful day downtown Richmond here at 308 Broad Street. And, of course, I love global warming because what we've got here is just another beautiful fall day. This is Richmond Biz Live or richmondbizlive.com, 844-249-5483 or 844.bizlive. Um, this is your weekly Saturday, well, for the last Saturday because we're about to move to Fridays and we'll make that announcement during the show. Uh, but your news talk radio show, that has um, that is dedicated to those entrepreneurs and business owners who are trying to make it happen. Um, Richmond, like a lot of cities in the United States, does a fairly good job of dealing with the entrepreneur, the startup, uh, but we don't do a very good job. In fact, we don't do anything for the people that have been in business for a number of years, and they're looking to get a payoff for all the sacrifice and all the investment they've made into the company. Um, and this is what the show is about. This is the only resource you've got to say, all right, how do I grow this thing and either reinvent myself and make this company bigger, or how do I get out of here and get the get the investment back uh, that I've made? And so that's kind of the theme that we're going to be taking here in season three. So this is show twenty seven, and I cannot believe that we have already been on six months, half a year, and we've gone through two seasons. Season one was related to those companies that are just trying to hang on and break even. Season two, which we just finished, was dedicated to those companies that were doing okay, but the question was, what's next? And season three, our focus is going to be on either reinventing or selling. Okay. And so what we're going to do today is that we're going to, we're going to do a totally different format. And it, this format is going to be, um, is going to be an interview. And uh, the interviewer is a good friend of mine, a business colleague. We've worked together here in Richmond for a number of years. And as I've said in the past shows, is that what we have doing the different segments are thought leaders that are recognized internationally, nationally, or locally. Um, and also people who run their businesses. So none of this is really advice in the typical sense of advice. This is what we do daily. So I'd like to welcome to the show Ben Meredith. And uh, Ben is a pioneer, and when I say pioneer, I really mean it, a pioneer in the area of customer relationship or what is better known as CRM software. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate being here on a wonderful uh, business Saturday in Richmond. Oh, yeah. And, of course, this is the last Saturday. This is Ben's first show. This is also Ben's last Saturday because uh, we're going to be switching over to noon Fridays next week. I am so gassed about that, man. That's going to be cool. And you're going to be able to make it, aren't you? I can make Saturdays and Fridays. So, uh, hey, tell me, tell, tell, share with the audience a little bit about where you've been in this whole area of customer relationship uh, uh, management software. Well, I'm not sure whether I joined it or it joined me, but uh, cu customer relationship management is an interesting field. Not not everybody really knows what CRM is, Bill. Uh, it, it is application software. You probably heard of Salesforce.com or Act or yep. Goldmine products like that. Used uh, probably all of them at one time. Uh, probably and more. Oh yeah. Uh, well, you take those products and you you put them into a customer's business, and it helps in driving you revenue. Helps them. Keep track of their customers, uh, keep them happier. They can start tracking sales activities. They can start getting accurate sales forecasts, and next thing you know, wonderful things happen in their business. And I'll tell you, if you if you if you're if you're going to grow your company, and you're going to grow it through sales, and you don't have a CRM software, mm -hmm. we should look because it's really there's no way if you're not managing electronically. So Ben and I are agnostic about what the software is um, that you load on the computer, or if you make it browser based software as a service, we don't care what it is. Just another tool. If you don't have it, you can't do it. 
And that's really the deal is you can't grow your company without it. And that's why I'm really excited to, um, to inform our listeners is that Ben is joining the show and is going to be with us with season three. And you're going to be working with Mike Carroll. Working with Mike, yes. Mike and I work together quite a, quite a bit. And it's it, CRM software, it really doesn't do any good unless you have the training and the skill sets for the sales team to really go and start utilizing it. So they, they really go hand in glove. You really need both products. Yeah, and, and, and of course, they've got to see the value to it because it, it is an administrative burden for them. And, uh, you know, salespeople, you know, they'll claim if they're not selling, then they shouldn't be doing it, right? Yep. Because they're going to make money. On and the other hand... It's not helping them. They're not going to be using it. On the other hand, I, I've had to, at, at times, go to, if you don't fill out, the, if you don't keep the software up to date, I'm not paying you. So hopefully <laughs> we can come up with a good software package that won't coerce the sales force into, or force me as a manager to go, I ain't paying you. If you don't update the software, because I don't know what the hell you've done. This is why you're supposed to go through the planning first. Oh, which yeah. Most, which a lot of people don't do. Okay. Well, you know, Mike Mike and I have talked about you a lot. We've talked about this, uh, the CRM software, and it, it is p- going to be part of the theme of, of the third season. But really, here's where we're at as we roll into this. And that is, we season one, we said, if you're the one of those companies at the 80% who's, having, who's struggling making it and getting to break even... That was season one. You can go to our website, richmondbizlive.com. You go to the resources section, and you'll see shows one through 13. Download them. If, on the other hand, your company is beyond break-even, yeah, we're doing all right, but the deal is, what do we do now? And you're kind of struggling with, how do I get to those elite companies? Then season two and show 14 through show 26 is where I would go on the resource page. And if you're in doubt about what to do, show 14 is the one that I would I would download and I would listen to because it gives the context. And now that show is going to be replaced with this show. This is going to be the show that you listen to to go, where are we as a company? Okay. So Ben, I'm going to turn it over to you now. So we're going to, we're going to roll through some, um, some really interesting items real fast. All right. Bill, you spent about 20 years consulting in larger companies, the Fortune 100s. Why did you decide to switch over and start helping small business? Well, it, it, it's really it's really two reasons. One is it has number one, it has nothing to do with the money because the it is incredibly lucrative mm-hmm. to work in large corporations as a consultant, but because at the end of the day, so they're so large, you really don't have to achieve much because it's almost impossible to make high. change. It's almost impossible to make change in large organizations, and that's one of the reasons I left it is that. We would work incredibly hard, got paid well for it, nothing would happen. And so that was one reason. The second reason was I'm an amateur economist, meaning I didn't get any formal training in college other than a couple classes like, you know, Econ 101. And what I came to realize in the research that I was doing was the the American economy is driven by small business. And so um, being a little bit patriotic, I said, you know, if if there's one thing I could do before I'm done, Maybe I could do something for the American economy by helping small businesses. And that's why I, I decided to put all my resources and all my time um, 13 years ago now and made that decision to, to go here. Okay, so, so where is this idea to build a database of best practices for growth? Uh, the one that's focused on companies that went from uh, zero to big. Where did that come from? Uh, well, I, what, I, what I knew was is that the byword in business is growth. I don't care if you're a big company, small company. So I knew the topic was a good one because we did some growth consulting in the large companies, but it wasn't a practice area. We were, we were much more of an HR company or a production efficiency company. We did a lot of work in lean. Um, but when I looked at it, I said growth was the one thing that was common across business. And then I, got a, I came across some research uh, while I was affiliated with the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and I got a chance to get on LexisNexis. Now, most people don't know what that is anymore, <laughs> but in the day, it was the only place you could go to do research. And I started looking at what were the characteristics of companies who started with nothing, like most of us small business people, and they got huge. And they got huge not the way that Google did, because Google had lots of silicone money to start with. I think they had something like a 50 or $100 million grub stake to get started. I'm talking about the guy who maybe has $20,000 in his pocket or the woman. You got maybe 20000 on the credit card, and you put a mortgage on your house. Now, how do I become a billion-dollar company when, the, when that's when our, where I start? And that's what we did when we built this database of what were the characteristics of those companies that went from zero to big and financed it predominantly until they got in the later stages out of their own pockets. 
Well, what did you learn from that three years of research and testing your own model? Um, well, what I learned was is that, is that there were six stages of growth. Now, there's more stages of growth than that, but there are six productive sta stages of growth that if companies manage those stages and understand where they're at, then they can be very, very, very successful. And I'll do them quickly and then pick up on them uh, later uh, during the season. Stage one is the planning stage. We call it dream to plan, where you're trying to figure out what you're going to do and put together a plan so I can get to market pretty quick. Stage two is, is go live. And the whole deal here is I got to sell and, and generate cash to prove the business idea. Stage three is called the next act. Okay, we got there. What do we do now? Stage four is where the hyper growth takes place, and that's big fast. And, you know, when you go in and you say to the banker, and if you give me this money and suddenly you're going to get hockey stick growth, you know, that, that big straight line going up, this is the yep. stage that you're going to get it in. Stage five is where you optimize. You're at the peak. You optimize the company for profitability. And stage six is the area where you say, okay, let's do it again. Now, the characteristic here is when you get to stage five, you can't stay there. It is, it is it, you're at the top of the mountain, or let's say you're on an airplane and it's about to stall. Your choice is to reinvent this bad boy or sell it because it's never going to be worth more money than that. And that's kind of the theme that we're going to be taking in, in, in season uh, three is track A, our first track, which starts next Friday, is going to be all around, I'm going to reinvent the firm. If the decision is I'm going to sell it, then I'm going to introduce, and most of you who have been with the show from season one, Mark Deutsch is going to be back with us, and we're going to be talking about how do you sell the business. I've got some more more questions here in a moment, but I'm I'm curious. What about the uh, the music you have? Oh That's yeah, kind the, of the theme the theme song. Oh, you those have. the Alan Parsons stuff. Um, it, it the song is called "The Turn of a Friendly Card," and if you listen to the lyrics of that, one of the things that strikes you is that most of us in business live by kind of that motto of the turn of the friendly card. I mean, we get we, we're dealt straight. a hand, we're dealt a hand, and we got to play it. And God, we hope that when we draw one or two cards. They're good, and sometimes you know we, you know we, we're I'll successful. Take three. And sometimes, yeah, we'll take three. You know, because I got two aces, maybe <laughs> I'll do well, or or you know I got two two deuces. But the deal is that for a lot of entrepreneurs, they're 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 casting the chips in the middle of the table, and their future rests on the turn of a friendly card, and we want to stop that. But I thought that music was highly appropriate. Yeah. Okay. All right. So. That's uh that's that's what I learned from uh from that and from that from there we got into this issue of five fifteen eighty but we'll handle that later in the interview. Okay, so um three categories. We we were associated when we first started the business with the Kaufman Foundation, and the Kaufman Foundation is the largest private institution that does research on entrepreneurship and innovation out of uh, Kansas City, Missouri, and. Uh, or Missouri, excuse me, to my friends in Kansas City. And the, the idea here is the what they were looking at is the characteristics of businesses. Now, what we do as a company in research a lot of time is what I call meta research, in that we read the research of other people, we draw our own conclusions, and then we go test it. And what they were working on is what every community, Richmond, uh, Northern Virginia, Petersburg, Roanoke, Norfolk, what they all want to do is they all want to attract the high, what is called the high-impact firms. A high-impact firm is a company that's got growth that's greater than 25% a year for three consistent years and somebody who's basically doubling um, employment, in other words, payroll, uh, every year. And so that's a high-impact firm because that's, where, that's who you want in your community. And to deal with these high-impact firms is that the research shows that about 90% of all the new jobs come from these HIFs. And so... How does a community attract those? Well, I believe that a lot of those communities misread the data because they said, well, now what we had, need to do is we need to spend more money on creating incubators and doing startups. Incubators and startups are not where the growth is. It is the company that's been around five to ten years who it needs kind of a something to break out, and that's where the growth is going to come from. So we started working on this model, and we looked at their statistics, and their statistics said about 3% of all the companies, small business in the United States were high, were high impact firms. And about 12% of all the companies uh, were kind of in a no man's land. In other words, they were better than bad, but they weren't really great. And then the remainder, which was 80 some odd percent of those were companies that were struggling to survive. And if they could just break even, most everybody would be happy. 
And I looked at those numbers and I said, well, you know what? I'm looking at Pareto. In other words, 20%, we're basically saying 20% are making, 80% aren't, which is what the data suggests, though it, you may, maybe it's 83%. And then I looked at the 20% and I split that up and said, well, of that, 5% is really making it and 15% are in the no man's land. So we took the research and we created the model of the 5-15-80. And it basically says the needs of an 80% company are drastically different than the needs of a 15% company and drastically different than the needs of a 5% company. The companies that are at 80% are probably stage two and stage three companies in my previous analogy of the six growth stages. The 15% companies are probably late, uh, stage three, early to mid-stage four companies. And the 5% companies are companies that are at stage five, and now what do they do next? And that built the whole format for season one, season two, season three. Right, in season one, the radio show was structured around seven concepts. Uh, yes. Why it, seven? Uh, well, because when I looked at it, you know, it's always how do we explain something? And so what I did is I reached out to my network of thought leaders, people that I know in, in the Richmond area or outside of Richmond, but I focused on Richmond because this is a Richmond show, um, of people that were experts in particular areas. So what I did is I broke it down into those areas to say, um, and by the way, those seven areas come from the best practices. Everything that we do here is based on the best practices and when do those best practices fit? So the best practices of a company at stage three is a different set of best practices of a company at stage five. And so we made a decision that we really needed to speak to the whole financial area um, around the business, which is not only bankability, but cash on hand, uh, cash flow management, et cetera. And that's why we selected Linda Heath from Financial Holographics. We've known, you and I both know Linda a long time and, a, and she's a former banker. And if I was in trouble financially and I said, help me out, Linda's the first person I would call. Then we were taking a look at Brandon's strategy and we had an opportunity. I had been working with a company called Firestarter. And I, what, what Eric McCama and I share is this view that is that if you put brand and strategy together, most people think that strategy is superior to brand. In other words, you know, brand is something you kind of do, like it's a marketing thing and strategy is kind of more important. And what Eric and I and the team at Firestarter, Sam Hayes and, uh, and, um, oh, oh, Collie. Charles, Charles Collie. Uh, or Charles, Charles Collie. Charles, Charlie Collie. <laughs> uh, uh, what we all share is that brand is more important than anything else because brand is the identity of the market. And the strategy is nothing How more than the there? execution of the brand. How you get there? And everything flows out of that. So that's why I went to Firestarter for that one. And, of course, in marketing and sales, I've known Mike Carroll a good long while. I'm familiar with the, with the Sandler organization and the quality of the work that they do. And so that was a no-brainer. Uh, in fact, we actually came to you that season, but Ben was too busy. Yeah, we, uh, to we, get had, on the we had other to take care of this year. Uh, that, that's right. Well, in fact, when I was putting the show together, I was going, oh, Ben Meredith is going to be in the studio with me on some of this. But, And so then we got into the area of production, and we looked at that and said, well, what are we going to do about the production side of that? And, of course, Andy Schulich is another person that I know in the area. I'd worked with him when we were building the um, National Association of uh, uh, Management Consultants, Naomic. And I knew Andy was 35 years an engineer. He's a lean expert, and he was the perfect guy to bring in for that. We also, uh, I reached out to a good friend of mine who works on the personal branding side, uh, Mary Foley from Bodacious Ventures. And what Mary, what we were talking about branding, we were talking about corporate branding when Eric was doing it, but when we were talking about branding, also what's important is if you look at these fast growth companies, the leader established a brand separate from the company. It was compatible, but a separate brand. And she talked about how do I become a thought leader and because if anybody is doing on the web and doing marketing, you know that content is where is king right now. She talked a lot about content marketing. And then I, I think that got everybody, oh, we, we talked about technology because a lot of what the, the, these companies, these 80 percenters don't have is any techno like technology to build a company around. And that's when we went to WeTran. And we um, works for St Firestar as well. And we and I had a great time because I'm a geek. He's a geek. So we have we geeked it we up. We should all be geeks. Yeah, we geeked it up for for those shows to talk about how do you build a backbone cheaply that you don't need a lot of money anymore. Ten years ago, fifteen years ago, you needed bucks. You don't need any bucks anymore. And then finally, I was doing some of the segments myself from my knowledge of the of those areas. So that's why those seven segments. Okay. Well, what are, give me a couple of takeaways from season one. 
takeaways from season one. There are three things to take away from season one. Number one is if you're an 80% company and you struggle to break even, there's three things you must do. You must become the lowest cost producer in your market, period, end of story. And I'm not talking about price here. I'm talking about lowest cost producer. Price is a strategic and branding decision. Um, cost is a production decision. Number two is you need to distinctify your offer. You need to make it different enough so you're, you're going to get out of the game of competing solely on price. And then number three is you need to professionalize leadership and management. What you need to do is you need to raise the level of play for those people because a lot of them have been with you from the beginning and they know the business and they're loyal, but they may not necessarily be either be the right people or have the right skill mix to take you into the future. So those are the three things I'd like you to take from a season uh, one. And again, you go to a website, richmondbizlive.com. Uh, you hit the resources page and look at shows one through 13. And with that, um, this is richmondbizlive.com, 844-249-5483 or 844-249-844.bizlive. Um, and we'll be back. Eric McCallum, CEO of the Firestarter Group. With over 75 years of collective experience, our team of experts works relentlessly to uncover your organization's unique identity, focusing on the most effective means of communicating your brand. We believe successful branding establishes an emotional connection between an organization and its target audiences. The days of old business models are over. It's time to rethink your business. Welcome to Firestarter. Visit us at firestartergroup.com or richmondbizlive.com and take our complimentary 30-second brand audit to gauge where your brand is at today. As a business leader, have you developed a highly productive work environment? Do you create a work-life experience that is self-motivating, enjoyable, and rewarding for your fellow workers, vendors, suppliers, and most importantly, yourself? To navigate to a pleasurable work-life experience, which will provide the means for you to have a fantastic full-life experience, contact me, Andy Shuley, for a free consultation on the web at metamorphosismc.com. And we're back. This is richmondbizlive.com. Um, you can join the show by going to the website, richmondbizlive.com. And if you click on the button that says watch us, you can catch us on the webcam. You can click the button that says listen, and you can stream live over, over the radio. And, of course, you are listening to WLE News Talk 990, and that's the other way to get here. And the call-in number is 844-249-5483 or 844-BIZLIVE, B-I-Z-L-I-V-E. All right, we finished with season one. Now we're going to move to season two. And season two was d dedicated to those companies that have got beyond break even. They're the 15 percenters that are in between. And it's basically it can go either way. You can slide back down and be back in the 80% again, or you can join the elite and go to 5%. And the question that most business leaders and business owners ask themselves at this stage is, well, what do I do now or what's next? So with that, let's pick this up. So Ben... What's, what makes that 15% so different than 80%? Well, because you now have enough money to pay all the bills. I mean, one of the characteristics of being in the 80% is you do not have sufficient and predictable cash flow to pay all your bills. In other words, you either have enough money coming in, but you don't know when it's coming in, so you can't plan. You can't go back to the bank every day. Right. You, uh, well, you think about this is that in a large corporation, one of the advantages they have is they put together a budget, and they know that we're going to expend say we're going to spend one third of our advertising budget on October on October 1st to make this buy. If you don't have predictable cash flow, you don't do that because you're living in a replacement world and your budgeting is by replacement. I spend money when I get money. And so what happens is that window of opportunity is gone because you can't spend the money exactly when you need to spend that money. So that's the issue of predictability. Sufficient is you can pay all the bills, including yourself. So the 80%er, they're just trying to figure out how to get to tomorrow. The 15% now have enough. I'm not talking about your awash in cash, but you got enough money. And this is kind of dangerous because what do I do now? And this is the question of the 15%. Now, part of this is what's the aspiration of the owner? Does the owner, does the owner want to make this big and take this off? Or of, okay, we're going to stick here. And this is, this is what's known in the stage three of growth as founder trap where yep. the company can't get any big, it got as big as it got because of the founder. And now it can't get any bigger because of the founder. And this is when 
you start bringing out, bringing in outside experts, bringing in new management people, and then you have various little conflicts and wars going on within. Um, as my listeners know, and you know, I'm vice president of a manufacturing firm down in Southwest Virginia. They hired our company to come in as virtual executives to implement lean. And of course, when I got the VP job, it got much bigger than just production lean. And in the last week, I've been dealing with the old timers being unhappy with what's going on because for years they're the tail that wagged the dog. And nowadays with the new, with the new sheriff in town, um, I do the wagon. I'm the dog and I wag the tail. And there's people who are very unhappy with that. Yeah, well, do you think all business owners really aspire, uh, to move into the 15 or the 5%? Um, I think they don't know. You know, I, I don't think the question is asked of them in a way that they would go, <laughs> Gee, I want to go there. Now, I would I would bet that 99.9% of all the sane business owners want to be in the 15% because at least I'm paying my bills, including myself, and my cash flow is predictable so that I can budget and, and do some stuff in the business. The 5%, I would say, you know, maybe two-thirds of the business owners, my experience is, because there's this fear about getting too big. And, you know, the, the issue is, if you're running a service-based company, it's a little bit different because how big you get is dictated by labor, by personnel, the people you got working for you. If you're in manufacturing, the size you should become is based upon what equipment you bought. In other words, if you went out and spent a lot of money on computer-assisted uh, manufacturing equipment, you've basically said how big you're going to get because um, you only make money if that stuff's running at close to 100%. So in the case of where I'm at, uh, we should be making a million to a million to a month because that's what the equipment will do. Anything less than that, we're not making any money. They're underutilized. Right. And so what the owners don't do is in manufacturing, when you buy the stuff, you say to yourself, do I want to run at that level? If I don't want to get that big, don't buy the damn equipment. You know, of course, when I get called in, it's too late. We got the equipment. And it's like. That's why you got called. Well, well, the deal then becomes if you want to make money in this business, you have to run at this production level. And that means that your company is going to get to this size. And if you don't want to do that, I don't know what you're going to do. My advice to the companies like that are get there and sell it, which is going to be a good theme for this quarter. It'll be good. All right. Well, well in season two, you changed the structure a little bit from season one. Tell us a little bit why you did that. Well, because I made it, I, I, you know, the first season was more of an intellectual, you know, how do you want to bundle the stuff together? And it was more of a me thinking as a consultant. That, that's kind of the 80%. Yeah, and I was thinking. I was thinking like a consultant. Season two, <coughs> excuse me. Last season, I was thinking like a VP. Of course, one of the things that happened is in season two, I became a VP, and so the way we structured it was around how production takes place. And in in real and really quick is you map processes to make sure that the that people there's no obstacles to people doing quality work. Then you make sure that they have the skill sets to do that work. So what we did is we turned production into productivity, kept Andy Schulich. Andy stayed with us on that and spent more time talking about, okay, you got your system running. Now, how do we really lean the damn thing up? On the performance side, instead of saying people, which is a segment that I had, um, we called it performance because that's really what the two are. Productivity is about your equipment. Performance is about your people. And so that was a lot closer to how most vice presidents, business owners look at stuff. We kept the financial piece, obviously, because, you know, Linda Heath from Financial Holographics and Linda took us through, okay, let's really get to on top of our cash flow and how do we start having enough cash on hand to run the business or how do we understand our business better so if we got to get a line of credit, we can get it. And obviously, uh, we stayed with Mike on sales because the issue at this stage of growth is all about um, marketing and sales. In other words, you built the capacity to grow the business at least 25% per annum. The only way you're going to grow the business once you've got the capacity is to go advertise, market, and sell. And Nothing Mike happens until somebody buys something. That's right. And so Mike talked about how to aggressively attack the marketplace in order to get that done. And, I, and, and of course, season one, I didn't talk about this, but I'll do it now. I have had a, a block called, a segment called Owner's Executive. I did it in season one. I did it in season two. And I'm going to fit it into season three someplace. And the idea behind this is that, and, and those of my listeners have been with us in the past, have heard me say this many times, is that if you are, if you've worked in a large corporation and what you know is as you've been promoted, 
you have to change your behavior. If you're a first line supervisor now working in middle management and you man and you supervise middle managers like you supervise working supervisors, you're going to be out of a job pretty quick. And if you move to the executive level and you deal with executives like you did middle managers, you're out of a job. So those of us who had some time in large corporations know that you got to change your approach to leadership and management as you get promoted in the organization. Well, a lot of business owners have never been through that experience. You know, Ben, you were in the military. Yep. You, know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And, uh, and so what business owners understand is that as they grow their companies, they have the same demands are placed on them and that you can't run a $1 million company, or I should say you can't run a $5 million company like you run a 1 million and you can't run a 10 million like you run a five. So the owner is executive. That segment was all about <laughs> taking all the expertise that we've learned at GrowthWorks and bringing them in there and talking to business owners, like business owner to business owner, like, hey, dude, this is what you got to do. Or, hey, dude, you better not do this. You really have deadly. to build a team doing that also. Right. Oh, absolutely. In fact, building a team is going to be essential in season three. Okay. So um, the question is here is, it's the same one you asked before, Ben, is do all, um, all uh, companies aspire to go to 5%? And I think we... We covered that with, uh, no, they don't. And, and I think it's, it, I, I think it's more fear than it is anything else. But usually out of, out of comfort area for many people, right? Well, I can stay who I am and stay here. But what I, what I tell them is, and this, this is the reality therapy that I give them. I say, okay, what do you think your business is worth if you sell to today? And I get a number out of them. And I said, okay, go hire a business broker. Cost you about two grand, have them come in and have them do an evaluation of your business. And what I know to be true is their number is nowhere near the real number. Nowhere close. And it's and when they hear it, first they get very annoyed at the number. My baby's ugly? Yeah, my baby's ugly. No matter how much lipstick I put on this thing, it's Still a pig. pig. Still a pig. And so the deal here is if you if you want to stay where you're at and you're happy, okay. But when you go to sell the business, you're, that's what you're going to get paid for. You know, it's kind of like not fixing up the house. You're going to go sell it. Okay, so now it's called the handyman special. You know, and you're going to get paid maybe 50 cents on the dollar of what it's worth. You don't want to do that. So the way I kind of, my cattle prod with business owners is to do that and say, now you want it worth, this is what it should be worth. You want it worth that? Let's go get it. When the brokers do their due diligence, they're looking at operations. They're looking at your customer database. Right. They're looking at uh, what your residual income is. It's a, it's a lot more than just a building and land. Oh, absolutely. And of course, our best practices is part of that because what we do is when we get the broker's evaluation of, we say, okay, here are the best practices that you are deficient in. Let's build them. And the other part of that is understand is that if you're looking to sell your business and you don't know how it's going to be valued when it's up for sale, then you, what you better do is you better have a good sense of, of where they're going to value because any money you spend on business that's not going to show up, in the valuation is a waste of money. All, all, all of you have yep. got that have houses know that if you had $10,000 invest in the house before you sell it, where do you put it? You put it in bathrooms or kitchen because you can get your money out. You put it in the bedroom or the den, you Don't won't get a down. penny. You won't get a penny for it. Okay. And I guess the, uh, the, the last thing is the, um, what, what are the takeaways from season two? And so my takeaways from season two, the takeaways that I want you to have from season two are this, um, Number one is that if, if you're a 15% company, you need to take a look at your marketing positioning, the position of your company in the marketplace. What type of penetration do you have? What percentage of the budget of the customers you currently have do you have? In other words, if they're buying products that they could buy from you or services from other people, you don't have that. How do I get to 100%, number one? Number two is how do I move into adjacent markets? And now what we're not talking about is new products and services. It's if this is the profitable customer, how do I go find other customers like this to sell the same offer? It's easier to sell the same offer to different people than it is to come up with a new offer, which we are going to talk about in season three, because that's part of season three. And then, and then I think the third thing we, we talked about, the key here is, is to be avoid the destruction of working capital is grow. What kills small businesses in a rapid growth phase is their working capital gets destroyed. On the books, you got money, but there's nothing in the cigar box. So with that, what I'd like to do is take a break. Uh, this is Richmond Biz Live, richmondbizlive.com, 
888-528-5483, and we'll be back. Hi, I'm Mark Deutsch, and I work with small businesses to connect them with the resources they need to succeed. Whether that's as a CEO of the largest business referral network in Virginia, BNI, or as the co-founder of Richmond's Community Center for Entrepreneurs, Gangplank RVA, or as a partner in several other small businesses, I'm a seasoned entrepreneur with over 25 years of experience whose passion and purpose is creating jobs by creating successful small business owners. Learn more about me and my many adventures at markdeutsch.com. Hello, I'm Linda Heath, president of Financial Holographics and your chief business analyst. Our accounting and finance experts solve business mysteries for CEOs. 80% of private companies are struggling. Only 5% have it made. Where are you? Join me Saturday mornings at Richmond Biz Live for live answers to your nagging questions. Sponsored by Financial Holographics, where you don't have to know what to ask for to get what you need. And we're back. This is RichmondBizLive.com on WLE News Talk 990. You can join the show by going to the website at RichmondBizLive.com. That's B-I-Z-L-I-V-E.com. And if you click the watch us, you can catch us on the uh, video cam, push the listen to us, and you can get it there. You also, on the resource page, can download the podcast, which uh, will be up in about an hour or so. Or you can dial in at 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483. Now we are going to talk about Season 3. And that's going to take us to the end of the year. Um, and uh, we, we, shape the, we shape the seasons and quarters because I'm a business guy. And I think in quarters. Okay. So it's 13 weeks and it works perfectly because the first week we can do an intro like this. Lucky 13. And then we got 12 weeks to do stuff. Okay. So this is about the 5%. Okay. Here, I'm going to make my emotional appeal to everybody out there. If you don't want to be a 5%er, why are you listening to me and Ben and the rest of us at 10 something on the morning on Saturday? You ought to be out doing something productive like cutting the grass. Where's a good okay? tea time. I, I know. So the, my whole deal is if you're in business and you don't want to be elite, you don't want to be a market dominator, what are you doing? And the language I would use if we were face-to-face, -face, I would have a couple other words added to that. Uh, but I'm not going to do that over the radio because I've been well coached by George Carlin about the, the words you can't get, you can't use. <laughs> so anyway, I've heard um, this is season three is about being a five percenter and being a five, five percenter leaves you with two options. One is I'm going to reinvent this damn thing because this is fun. And what I want to do is instead of making my business, selling my business at 10 million, which is what it's worth now, let's sell it at 25. I like that number Why better. Not? Why not? And I got a couple more years and I'm not ready to go. Or $10 million is cool. I'm done. I want to do something else or I want to go down to Florida, God forbid, and play golf. You know, you know me, I can't retire. I'll never retire because I, I would go nuts. Golf what are fish. you going to do? Yeah, so, you know, I'd start another business. This, this is my sixth <laughs> one. I, you know, seven is a lucky number. Anyway. So, but the deal is you can't stay here. When you get to the 5%, there's only two things that are going to happen. You're either going to make a strategic move to sell or reinvent, or you're going to decay, and you're going to move into the growth cycles that we didn't talk about, and that is the death spiral of a business. Nobody stays at the top. Never happens. You got to make a decision when you get to the top. What are you going to do about it? That's and the so that's the reason you're breaking this this new right. season into two distinct segments. That's right, because this this seg this year we're going to be running an A track like we do. So next next Friday at noon, I'm going to say it again. Next Friday at, at noon, noon, we're going to come in, and Linda Heath is going to be back, and Mike Carroll is going to be back, and Ben is going to join Mike, Andy Schuick's going to be in, and what are we going to be talking about? How do I reinvent my company? And then starting on the 17th, that Friday, Mark Deutsch is going to be in with his team. And what we're going to be talking about is, okay, we've made a decision to sell the business. How do I do that? And so you need to be listening to this. Even if you're an 80 percenter, you need to be tuned in because what we're going to be talking about is the end game. Okay. So you don't, you don't have a plan. You plan to fail. Okay. So anyway, uh, I think that I think that hits on that first piece there. Yeah, pretty um, pretty good. And that's why we're going to do the two themes because there's really only two things there. And uh, well, business owners once once they've gotten to the fifteen and the end of the five percent, 
They, they really don't realize that they still have to make a decision. They just can't keep running day in and day out until the day they die. Uh, and that's true. In fact, you know, typically we get involved, uh, Growth Works, we get involved with the company when they're at um, – when they're at usually at the fifteen percent, I, I I've had some eighty percent clients, but typically it's the eighty, the cusp between eighty and fifteen, and we force the owner right then to make the call, because if you don't, if you haven't decided until you got to the five percent, I would say to you one, if you haven't decided, you're probably not going to get there, and two, it's too late in the game to sell. My experience, too late in the game to sell because you've made investments that you will not get any return on. If you're there and you haven't decided, I say reinvent. And as we reinvent, we go, next time we're going to sell the thing. And and the good news is you can probably, from reinvention to reinvention, you can probably double at least each time. And just as an interesting side note, um, it only takes four reinventions to get to a billion dollars. Did you know that, Ben? I'm on three. You're on three reinventions? Your business is worth uh, $500 million? <laughs> I should get an evaluation. When's Mark going to be here? <laughs> Mark's going to be here in two weeks, unless he dies. So, well, it's, it's a lot of a lot of business owners don't realize that they need to be planning for selling their business way before they get to the point that they're going to turn it over. Oh, absolutely, because it, and the principal thing, Ben, and you're right. The principal thing with that is they have you have not thought through where you're going to invest your money to make sure that when somebody values the business that they see the investment. And so if you invest your money in, let's say, computer hardware, and that's not part of how your industry is valued, it may have been very helpful to get there, but it's not going to show up on the price. Now, that's a decision you got to make, and if we need to invest in computers, we will. But my point is, if investing in production equipment is going to show up on the valuation, then we're going to take our money, you know, when we're 15 percenter and we have some money left over, we're going to invest in upgrading our production equipment. Or just invest in technology. You don't have yep. to. You don't have to buy computers anymore. Oh no! Well, that's a whole other area. That's that we, question. We we and I had real fun <laughs> with that. With uh, I'm not an anti Microsoft guy, but I was kind of like, why would you buy six or seven boxes, and then go pay money to Windows for an operating system, and then pay money to uh, for Suite when you could be running Ubuntu for free and running LibreOffice for free? And trust me, you can run a multi-million dollar company on Linux. I do. Yes, you can. And it's, it's technology that is driving a lot of, lot of new companies. And r no matter how young or old your business is, if you're not running on technology in the business, then you're really going to be falling behind. Because if you're not doing it, your competitors are. They're investing yeah. in it day in and day out. They're doing everything from, from um, social selling, uh, social media, SEO, they're really branding their business in an electronic manner. And if you're sitting back and coasting and hoping to uh, get a few more customers so you can pump up the revenue enough to sell it, then you're really, really falling behind. Yeah, and so really the question is, and some of us have companies to where technology is front and center, and so you have to do that to keep, to keep up. And others, technology is the enabler. It's not core to the business, but it's the enabler that allows us to be more efficient. The front office of your business really needs to be running on technology. It allows you to be mobile. It allows you to be 24-7. It allows you to open up a new branch office with a telephone and an uh, Internet connection. And you couldn't do that 20 years ago. The information that we have available for marketing and for competitive research and for business intelligence that we have through LinkedIn and social media, 15 years ago, you couldn't buy that if it was available. We couldn't afford to buy it. When we started the business in 2004, after we finished the research, I wanted to investigate it, building a platform. Uh, right now, I use Work Etc. as basically how we run the business. And we use Capsule as our CRM. Um, and those two together go very, very well because they, they built an integrated platform, even though they're separate companies. When I priced this in 2004, it was $250,000 to do what I'm doing for $50 a seat. So that is, that's the difference nowadays. So when somebody says I can't afford technology, you're either misinformed or you're not, you're not really telling the truth. Yeah, I, I can remember not too long ago, uh, uh, the mini computer, people who remember mini computers before, before networks, it was $300,000 to oh, start. Yeah. And now Google applications and you're home free. 
That's right. Uh, so yeah, for got, all the bad of Google, there's a lot of good of Google. I've, I run my business on Google. I, I run anywhere, anytime, on any device. Uh, it, it's been a great enabler for us. Google integrates our platform. So, yes, in a way, I run on Google as well. I don't use all their stuff, but everybody runs on Google, so you, you can use Google to integrate. Well, let, let, let me let me hit on a couple things, Ben, then I, you know, I'll get you to talk a little bit more about um, uh, technology, and that is – what can you expect from season three? Okay, on on the reinvent side, okay, what are we talking about here? On the reinvention side, there's a couple things to consider. The three major points is it's team or project based. In other words, it, it, what you're looking for now is before when we were in state when we were talking about the 15 percenter, we're talking about aggressively expanding your customer base by selling the same stuff or having the same offer with some might mod- modifications, but basically the same offer. When we talk about reinventing the company, now we're now talking about new product development. And new product development usually works the best when it's team-based or project-based. And we're going to talk about number two is that what you want to do is you want to draw all the expertise that you possibly can together. So we call it, it's called client and supplier inside. I bring in my clients, I bring in my suppliers, and guess what we don't do? We don't develop new stuff on spec. We got the people who are going to buy it involved in designing it. And the reason for that is they might actually have some insights about what they're willing to pay money for. And the suppliers are interested in our success because they're going to want that to happen. And then the issue is that how do I take that offer and upgrade it? The other part of that is when we talk about the sell piece, let me give you some highlights of what you're going to see in season three. Okay. Number one is what is your motivation for buying? We're selling a business. And again, this is going to be Mark Deutsch and uh, Rick Ross, uh, Grossberg, excuse me, I'm trying to talk too fast right now, who are going to be part of the team that's going to be talking about that. Um, the second segment is how do we build the deal team? Number three is how do I the business itself, knowing that each business is different and typically it's a triangulization, is that there's probably a different two or three different valuation techniques and the answer is someplace in the middle. Number four is how do we prepare a marketing package uh, so that we can we can adequately market and sell the business. Number five is targeting prospective buyers and sellers. And then finally, the last segment is going to be negotiating professionally. Now, if you come to our website at richmondbizlive.com um, this Monday, we will have our season three program guide up so you can see all these sessions put together. Um, so... What I want to do here is I want to take an opportunity to uh, also honor some of our sponsors who have been with us the last couple of seasons before we kind of close out the show. So with that, I'll be back in a few. Hello, this is William Eastman, your host for Richmond Biz Live on WLE 990 AM. You know, when I prepare for my segment, Owner as Executive, I am acutely aware that this is the number one obstacle to business growth. So, why don't you make an appointment with me every Saturday at 10 o'clock to help you grow with your business? It will be the best 10 minutes of your week. Hi, Mike Carroll of Sandler Training here in Richmond. Do you know the three most commonly made sales mistakes? Are you or your salespeople at fault? Visit focusbusiness.sandler.com to download your free report, The Three Biggest Sales Mistakes You Should Never Make. In this report, discover these unproductive sales strategies and what to do about them. Finally, take the pressure out of selling and reach your desired sales result. Visit focusbusiness.sandler.com to download your copy now. And we are back. This is Richmond Biz Live, richmondbizlive.com on WLE News Talk 990. Um, you can reach us at 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483 or 844.bizlive. So in the closing minutes here, let me let me say a couple of things about seasons one and two. We, we really had a great time. We had great sponsors here. Um, and hopefully that all of you who have been listening have used that information because as I said at the beginning and I say at every show, uh, these are not people that are just not well, well uh, grounded in the theory of these are people who are practitioners who do it every day, and they run their businesses by the by the same things that they offer to you. So all these techniques are proven. And so hopefully, if you've been listening and you've been following, 
you've taken your 80% company and you've got it past break even and you got it into the 15%. And now you're saying to yourself, you know what? Um, I want to sell. Well, if you want to sell, then starting on the 17th of October and every other week, um, I'm going to be in the studio with uh, Rick Rosberg and Mark Deutsch and what we're going to do. And we're going to have experts call in um, from outside of Richmond and experts from Richmond inside the studio. And what we're going to do is that we're going to talk about how do you put together that package and sell the company. And so that you can get the maximum amount for your company that's possible. If, on the other hand, your decision is let's do this another time, then I'm going to be back with um, Linda Heath from Financial Holographics, Andy Schulich from Metamorphosis um, Management Consulting. Um, um, we're going to have Mike Carroll and, um, and Patrick Carroll from uh, Sandler Institute Focused Business. And Ben Meredith is joining the team uh, from BNB Consulting. And what we're going to do is talk about what do you need to do to take your company to the next level. Um, it's imperative that, that we basically you do in terms of you're making the significance of what we do. I mean, obviously you do in terms of you're making money, but let's look at it. When I, when I look at where we are down in Southwest Virginia and I look out on the floor, we now have almost 90 people in the company. Those are 90 families that we are taking care of is that being a business owner is far more than making money. Our, our enemies, our opponents, the people that don't understand us think that we're just cows to be bled uh, by taxes or regulation. What they don't really realize is that we are the economy. 90% of the growth of this economy or 90% of the jobs in this economy come from people like us. And those families can pay the mortgage, put food on the table, clothe the kids, and hopefully have a, a, a optimism for a better future for them because we are providing those particular types of jobs. And so what we do is not insignificant. As a matter of fact, what we do is probably the most important thing um, done in the country because the people now who are in man- who are in political positions, if you look at what's going on, and I'm not taking uh, taking not taking a pos- political position here, but if you look at the politicians, they're really not doing anything for us, regardless of your party. It's us, we business owners, that are we're going to fix the country. And what this show is about, what Richmond Biz Live is about, is giving you the tools to fix your business so you can grow it, and you can do it yourself. All our tools are do it yourself. You can call us. You can get any one of us who are going to come in and help. And uh, we're here for you, and we're here for Richmond. Ben, any closing thoughts? It, everything we've been talking about, it all comes down to what I call the three Ps. It's planning, it's process, and it's people. Okay. And so join us next Friday. I cannot tell you how happy I am to say join us next Friday at noon on WLE News Talk 990. This is Richmond Biz Live signing off. Wealth and prosperity to everybody. time for your business to pay it back. Hello, I'm William Eastman, executive producer of Richmond Biz Live. And if this is your challenge as a business owner, then don't miss a single show. Either listen live at 10 o'clock every Saturday on WLEE News Talk 990 or download our podcast at richmondbizlive.com. Every show, we tackle those issues in marketing, sales, people, customers, and finance that are limiting your success. If it's time to get paid back for your years of investment and sacrifice, join us this Saturday at 10 o'clock for Richmond Biz Live.